So let's say you've got this gene and, you know, you are somebody who has um, the ability to express gratitude, to be trusting, to have this good relationship with your partner. Then I think you're also going to be the kind of person who is going to be willing to forgive, Mm. okay, and not hold on to it, not have a grudge. Uh, And by the way, forgiveness is not for the other person. It's for yourself because to hold on to your anger is really just hurting yourself. Uh, so it's a, it's really about letting go of all the angry feelings. This week, researchers identified a gene that might have an impact on your relationship. What does this gene do? Why does it matter? What should couples consider if they come across this type of information? Plus more. Dr. Karen Sherman shares her insights. Stay tuned. I never want to give it back. This feeling. Hi, I'm going to keep this short. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. You should know that we have a website, hitchedmag.com, with thousands of articles, our complete podcast archive with over 500 episodes, a free weekly newsletter, and more. If you like this podcast, please leave a rating or review to help encourage others to join. And without further ado, enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, editor-in-chief of HitchedMag.com. I am joined once again by the brilliant, the original Dr. Karen Sherman. Hi, Karen. Hi, Steve. Thank you very much for that lovely introduction. (laughs) You're welcome very much. Uh, Karen is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for over 30 years. Um, You can get more information at her website, drkarensherman.com. Okay, Karen, so uh, I did what I do, which is I found a study that we can discuss today, and it comes from the uh, University of Arkansas. And... Uh, it looks at a link between DNA and marriage satisfaction in newlyweds. Mm-hmm. Um, and so researchers from Arkansas identified the gene CD38, uh, which they suggest could benefit newlyweds. Um, and we'll discuss what that means in a second. But this type of research where they're looking at genetic makeup, do you think mm-hmm. this is helpful, scary, both? What are your thoughts on this? I would say both. I mean, on the one hand, you know, we have gained a lot of insight as far as, let's say, personality um, and understanding that a lot of it is determined by our genes. Um, but there's something that feels sci-fi about it to me. You know, so now we're going to say, well, you know, are you going to have a happy marriage? Well, it depends on your genes and let's, you know, test your genes. And it's it's just a little bit too mm-hmm. out there. Um, and it sort of, it certainly takes away from the whole notion of romance and, right. um, you know, sexiness and all of that. So I think it's a little bit of both. Um, is it one of the factors that should be considered? Okay, maybe. And so that's why I'm not going to eliminate it as yeah. being helpful. I was about to say, so like the way I was thinking about it, I agree with you. I think partly it can be totally scary because you get into the whole gene manipulation for the superior Mm -hmm. race kind of stuff, which is just freaks people out, rightfully so. Um, But also it's like, well, if you could eliminate things like blindness and other things, 
uh, I would think that'd probably be a pretty good idea. Um, but the way that I was actually thinking of it specifically in relation to this is as a diagnostic tool. So mm-hmm. if you go to a doctor for a physical ailment of say, a, you know, maybe your stomach hurts well, they would take an x-ray or do some tests to figure out if it's your appendix or if your mm-hmm. arm hurts, they would make sure that you'd haven't broken anything. And on this, I think, well, maybe if they could take just like a quick little swab and see like, Hey, you have this genetic predisposition, maybe that might inform the treatment that we're able to offer more effectively and targeting it. Um, I don't know. That's like kind of how I thought about it as a diagnostic well, tool, potentially. Well, I, I, I do think that there's some merit in that. However, that being said, on the other hand, um, is it like, oops, you know, you've got this predisposition. You, you know, you are going to um, have things that are beneficial to marriage, but mm, sorry, not so much you. Well, now what do you do? Do you right. call everything off? Um, you know, what do you suggest for this couple? It gets dicey. It gets really dicey. And as you said, you know, when you were talking about creating like a superior race, who's to determine, you know, if, if something is going to be something that should stop you or not stop you quite frankly. Okay. And I'm, I'm going to be very open here. Yeah. When I got married with Richie, there were still a lot of issues I had to work out. And if there had been some kind of a genetic test that would have shown that, he probably would have told, been told, no, 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 you, you don't want to marry this woman. And, you know, I, I worked on my issues and we have a very good marriage. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that if we had gone with a study that pointed to some genes and then the diagnosis is, oh, no, this is going to be a very challenging marriage and, you know, you, you ought not go down this path, his mother probably would have been very happy. But <laughs> but I, I, I think that sometimes it could work against some of the um, natural things that we work on and we do together and we work towards in a marriage. Um, and what do you do if you have two people who both have genes that are not good? Yeah. Do you tell them just don't get married altogether? Right. So, yeah, eh. no, it, it's fun. I, so have you ever seen the movie Gattaca? No. So it is, um, it's kind of based on this where babies are born, uh, with a genetic makeup and some, some are born with like a perfect genetic makeup mm-hmm. and others are not. And the, this is not a spoiler because it's like a 20 year old movie, but, um, so basically there's a, a guy who essentially, um, fakes his way into a program that's only supposed to be for the genetically perfect mm-hmm. and, um, outperforms a lot of his, most of his, um, compatriots and they at the end, they can't figure out why. And it's like human spirit and will, and it's the diversity that he brought to the table and how he thought about things. And, mm-hmm. um, it, it gets really dicey really fast. And, um, to, to your point too, it's what, what, like who defines what a strength and what a weakness is. Right. right. Um, and that, I mean, yeah, so this is, I think, I think the, the best word I can describe this for me is interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just think it's interesting. I've always found the word interesting, very interesting, because it basically does not commit to anything. Exactly. <laughs> Just my opinion. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, well, I'll, I'll, say, I'll, I'll take it a step further. I will take a little bit more of a stand. I will say that I think they should continue to do this research because I do think mm-hmm. it's important, and we don't know what will be found unless they do it. 
Now, making decisions based off of it is a different Mm -hmm. subject. Mm -hmm. And there are philosophers out there who would be better equipped to answer it than I. Um, Okay. So the researchers, getting back to this specific study, uh, they studied 142 newlyweds, 71 couples, a subset of a larger group used for the study. The newlyweds' DNA was collected three months after being married, and they also completed a survey at that point, as well as one every four months for three years. So pretty decent. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the study, researchers compared the survey results with the CD38 variation and found that those with the specific CC variation in that gene reported higher levels of traits corresponding to marriage satisfaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, the researchers basically pin it to gratitude as the big takeaway from what that, from that gene variant. Mm-hmm. Does this um, gratitude specifically, does that line up with what we already know about what helps make, produce satisfied marriages? Well, I certainly think that it does back up um, a trait that we know, as we've spoken about so frequently, is very beneficial to having couples feel good about each other. To I'm going to extend gratitude to showing appreciation, showing respect for one another. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yes, I do think that um, it, it, it does back up what we know already. Um, the question is, and you know I've got to stick this in there mm-hmm. somewhere, that when I read the study, what they talked about was that there was a correlation, okay? Right. And just in case there are some people who have missed podcasts where I have <laughs> spoken about correlation before, correlation means that two things, you, you know one thing about one trait because you know something about the other trait. There's some predictability, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean causation. Right. So we don't know that it is the particular CC variant of the gene that is causing you to be show more gratitude. Um, or that um, maybe because you are the kind of people that express gratitude, you have a higher level of the CC variant. Right. Or if there's a third factor that has nothing to do with either one of them, but that is impacting the fact that there is <clears throat> a higher level of the CC varia- variation and a higher level of gratitude. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it has something to do with the attachment histories of each of the people, that they each came from homes where they had very good attachment histories. And so because of that, they Um, Because we know that couples who have come from homes where they had um, good attachment, where they felt that they were loved, they felt that they had a secure um, uh, parental figure that they could trust, that those people have very successful relationships later in life. Mm -hmm. And so maybe that's the other variable. And it's not that this gene is causing the gratitude or that the gratitude is causing the gene. Right, right. Am I am I explaining that I, in in a clear enough fashion? Yeah, I think so. Uh, we were talking before we jumped on and in a lot of scenarios this could be the chicken and egg thing. So Correct. if you do something it can 
propel you into a certain direction. Or if that thing already exists, it can propel you into that same direction. We don't know which one is causing mm-hmm. it, uh, mm-hmm. getting into the correlation versus causation type of thing. Correct. Um, Correct. And to, to, you know, one of the things that you have used in the past is, you know, on a hot day, it will melt ice mm-hmm. cream or something like that. No, um, the exact thing is on a very hot day, more people in New York, uh, um, on a, no, no, no. When the, <laughs> st- well, I have to get this right. Yeah. When the sidewalks in New York melt, more people die of heart attacks. Right. And so the point being is that, uh, just be the, the the melted sidewalks are not causing the heart attacks. That's just the correct. correlation, right? That's correct, yeah. and it's because the sun is so hot that it is melting the cement and also causing the heart problems. Right, right. So that's the third factor. Yeah, you know the the outside external it, factor that's causing the other two situations to occur. Yeah, you know one of the other interesting things that I was thinking about is the. So they looked at newlywed couples um, and, you know, this went on for three years. And I wonder like what the variables were for those newlywed couples and that time and place of when they got married versus other, mm-hmm. like were, good things, were things good? Would it look the same if they were coming out of the Great Recession, for example? Or um, COVID. Or COVID. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so um, how deep do people dip into that gratitude bucket? Uh, depending on the circumstances at that time. And so when they started the study could actually mm-hmm. have an impact on the results. Very good point, Steve. Thank you for bringing that up. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So then one of the things that the researchers, well, two things, actually, they connect gratitude with both trust and forgiveness. Can mm-hmm. you first discuss um, what trust brings to a relationship and why that's so important? It's one of the pillars of right. a good relationship. Uh, it's one of the main foundational points to a good relationship. It means that you feel safe in your relationship. You feel that your partner is dependable, reliable. It doesn't, it goes beyond thinking, oh, my partner is not going to have an affair. Is you know, that my partner is is somebody that I can believe will be faithful to me. Mm-hmm. It goes to I feel that if I'm sick, my partner will be there for me and take care of me. It goes to when I'm feeling like I am upset about something, my partner will be there to um, just understand me. Um, So it's a sense that your partner is somebody who is available to you and who is dependable and in a consistent way. Mm -hmm. It allows you to be vulnerable. And through that trust and vulnerability, there is a very good um, emotional intimacy that gets developed. Right. I think that's the key is the, I mean, you you brought up a lot of great points, but I think vulnerability is the thing specifically that I would focus on because that's partly what makes the relationship of a married couple different. Yes. Is the opening up and the vulnerability of just like, here is all the crust in the relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm trusting you with all of it. No, yes. trusting that you will not bring it back up and use it as a weapon against me. Yes. As a matter of fact, since you brought that up, I just want to say that one of the worst things you can do to your partner is if they have divulged something to you that's personal or that they're embarrassed about or whatever, and they have entrusted you with that information. And then in an argument, 
when you're just really upset, you throw it back in their face. That is worse than having an affair because basically they have really revealed themselves to you. They have been open with you. They have been vulnerable with you. And now you have destroyed that. So um, it's really, really important that even in the height of arguments, when mm-hmm. you really want to just, you know, go for the juggler, you do not throw back in your partner's face something they have told you in this vulnerable moment mm-hmm. and, you know, really shown you something that's very deep and private. So we know that couples can recover and even become stronger with infidelity mm-hmm. um, because they address the issues at hand. The kind of breach of trust that you just described, is that something that they can also come back from? And I mean, you just mentioned that it's a, a, a more egregious um, attack. So is is that one like, oof, you, that one's going to be really tough? Well, I believe, you know, you can really come back from anything, mm-hmm. but- It's going to depend on what is the stability of the rest of the relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, do you do this more than once? Um, You know, it's almost like how much do you have in your bank account? So if you have a lot in your bank account and you screw up once, it's still going to hurt and it's going to be bad. But at least you've got, you know, a lot of other good stuff that you can talk it through and process it and, and work on it that it was like, okay, you know, here's what was going on for me. Here's why I did that, whatever. And then you can move past it. But if that kind of thing goes on, you know, on a mm-hmm. more than once kind of basis, it's kind of hard to let that go. And the result is going to be that your partner is going to close up. They're not going to share with you anymore. Why right. should they? Right. It's almost like a tax on your relationship, both figuratively and literally. Absolutely. And that, um, it, it causes that kind of stress. But if you do it so many times, you can only make so many withdrawals before you're in the red. You're no longer yes. in the black. Yeah. And once yeah. you're there, then that's really tough to get mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Um, this actually brings up a perfect segue for our next uh, part of this, which is forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So these things seem to go hand in hand. Yes. Um, and again, I think that if you have, let's go back, but I do want to say something about um, the CC variation. Mm-hmm. So let's say you've got this gene and you know you are somebody who has um, the ability to express gratitude, to be trusting, to have this good relationship with your partner, then I think you're also going to be the kind of person who is going to be willing to forgive, mm. okay, and not hold on to it, not have a grudge. Uh, and by the way, forgiveness is not for the other person. It's for yourself because to hold on to your anger is really just hurting yourself. Uh, so it's a, it's really about letting go of all the angry feelings. Mm. But the point I wanted to bring up, and this goes back to what I was discussing as far as early attachment, that um, if you have that kind of a background, then you go into the world with a very different understanding of the world, a different perception. You use a lens that's going to be very different than someone who has grown up in an abusive home Mm -hmm. or a home that was neglectful. Um, You know, again, especially in the 
first couple of years, the purpose of parents is to provide for the child a sense of safety and trust and that they are worthy and lovable, you know, lovable. Mm-hmm. And if that's not there, the whole world doesn't feel safe. And that's what you take with you. But if that's done correctly in the first couple of years, you go into the world with wonderful tools and you don't, um, you know, look at things in a skeptical way or cynical way or, you know, question why is somebody doing this or what's their motive or anything. Because then not only is the the way you look at things difficult, but the way you react to it is Mm -hmm. going to be very negative. And then the way the person reacts to you is going to be negative. And then you're no longer having this relationship that is respectful and loving and trusting and forgiving. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not bouncing back and forth in this nice, smooth way. Mm-hmm. So that's why I said before that the research clearly indicates that those people who come from backgrounds where there is um, – Good attachment make the best partners going forward mm-hmm. uh, and have the best relationships. Yeah. And I think as you identified, it creates a positive cyclical mm-hmm. um, environment where mm-hmm. you then attract the other positive, <laughs> yes. well-grounded, attached, grounded individuals and so on and so forth. Correct. Um, it reminds me of a lyric, and I think I've probably brought this up before. Um, it goes something like, uh, trust is something that comes easy when you've never been a victim. Mm. And I, I think about that all the time um, because when you have that trust uh, and you've, you haven't been a victim, um, you're able to like freely give that trust away because mm-hmm. it's never come back to bite you. Right. Um, And, but to your point, if you didn't have that trust growing up, you didn't have that attachment growing up, then why should you trust anything or anybody moving forward? And then that gets into the vulnerability aspect that we were discussing. How can you ever reach that point of vulnerability if you can't trust the the people around you? Right. Right. Um, Okay. So uh, lastly here, one of the things that the researchers did note uh, is that and we kind of talked about this at the beginning, couples who don't have the CC variant are not doomed. So like so many other things, um, having a leg up in one uh, place doesn't mean that we all can't get there. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I I really doubt that many people are going to go out and check their DNA and make sure that they have this or don't have this. Mm-hmm. Um, so what can couples do to boost their gratitude and to get these trickle effects that we've been talking about to help their marriages? Well, if they will do the things we so often uh, suggest, which is to um, spend time with each other, appreciate each other, respect each other, um, be positive and be a cheerleader for one another, all those little things, and it's it's in the little things, those will build more of it. Mm -hmm. First of all, if you give it out, you're going to get it back. Now, initially you may not, but little by little you will. And so then you get it back and then you give it more. Um, In some cases, and this is going to take a little bit of tolerance, but in some cases, if somebody has come from a difficult background and 
doesn't have certain trust or um, doesn't have certain reactions that um, are loving, um, it may take the other partner understanding the background and having patience and saying, I still love you. I'm here. And that's, you know, a lot of the work that I have done with couples when one of them has had um, a difficult background. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not easy for the, the partner who has to, um, quote, live through the reactions or whatever of the person who has had um, a history that hasn't been so easy. Right. But what what has been found is that a lot of healing can take place, healing from the past can take place in the present day relationship if each of the partners feels this is somebody who truly is there for me, who I really can trust, who really does show me love and compassion. So the more that we can be there for our partner show compassion and understanding and you know um you don't have to necessarily um buy into every um non-trusting perception they have Mm -hmm. but you but it would be good to be able to say i understand you feel this way and talk to me about it and i know you're hurting and whatever doing a lot of validation and not making fun of them or putting them down right. or ignoring them because then the partner sees oh this person really is here for me mm-hmm. and that becomes very healing not only for the present day relationship but it, it remedies what wasn't there in the beginning. Right. So absolutely, if you haven't had this idyllic, perfect attachment early in life, and I would venture to say that most of us haven't. Correct. You can absolutely get it in your present day marriages, mm-hmm. in your present day relationships. Um, one thing that I wanted to add or ask you about is and the role of blame, because I think it would be easy to blame your spouse for the things mm-hmm. that they're going through mm-hmm. is to try to avoid that. Um, because you know, they're, they're at this point, if we're talking about trying to actually work through some of this stuff, uh, that is not a productive <laughs> tactic. To no. Yes. The problem with that is though, you know, it's almost like a lot of times you write a play and it looks great on paper and then you go to put it on and, and it falls apart. That's a wonderful concept, and you're 150% correct. But when we are emotionally triggered, you're not going to remember that, and mm-hmm. you are going to blame, and you are going to attack. So I'm going to suggest something which I'm going to say right up front is not easy. But if, as the receiving partner, you can really hold the realization of what your partner has been through in their childhood and not take it personally, but give them the love, the compassion, and the care, then that will, over time, heal. Now, there's nothing wrong with saying, look, I know that, you know, a lot of what you just said to me is really not about me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's really because it feels like blah, blah, blah from the past. Um, and though I understand it, it's not okay to attack me. 
And, you know, when you do that, that feels really lousy and, and I won't be your target. So you could, you can put boundaries on it. Yeah. But what I, in a perfect world, what I would like to see is somebody who still hangs in there uh-huh. and doesn't turn away from it or doesn't in some way punish the person for having the reaction. Right. The punishment. That's the thing. So um, while you were talking, one of the things that you just mentioned was setting those boundaries. And I think it's interesting because this is slightly adjacent to what we're talking about. But this Mm -hmm. is something um, that Jess and I do uh, within our relationship whenever something has either of us like emotionally revved up. um, Mm -hmm. If it's not directly about the other person, we will verbalize that. We will tell the other person, this isn't about you. This is this thing's bothering me. Sorry, I'm in a bad mood or whatever. Uh, no, you can't fix it. Um, but we create those boundaries. So then that doesn't spiral into uh, any kind of conflict between the two of us. And that's a great idea. I have worked with people, many people who, when something sets them off, it happens so quickly that they, they wouldn't even have the ability to be that self-aware or that objective to make that kind of a statement. But absolutely what you're saying, if you can own it and say, I'm in a lousy mood, it has nothing to do with you, and I'm probably going to you know, spout off a whole bunch of stuff, but please don't take it personally. If you can do that, we're way ahead of the game. So I'm going to take it a step further and tie it back into what we're talking about today, which Mm -hmm. is trust, because Mm -hmm. to your point, I don't or Jess doesn't always know what it is that has Mm -hmm. either of us emotionally revved up. Mm -hmm. And the other person will say, I don't think this is about me Mm. or something along those lines. And it gets to the trust that we've been talking about this whole time. And so you have to trust your partner to, to be able to say that to you and know that they're yeah. just looking out for your best interest and not trying to like, quote unquote, win any kind of an argument yeah, that you may want to start. Mm-hmm. That's great. So, um, okay. Um, was there anything else that you wanted to add to this topic today? No, I think we did a lot of extra, to be honest with yeah. you. <laughs> this is great. Okay, well, we will wrap it up then. I won't uh, take up any more time, but I do, before anybody clicks off, want to remind you that you have been listening to Dr. Karen Sherman, who is a practicing psychologist and relationship and lifestyle issues for over 30 years. Karen is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. Karen is also the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. You can get this information at her website, drkarensherman.com. Of course, you can find this on our website, hitchedmag.com, along with over 500 podcast episodes, uh, 3,000 plus articles for free, and uh, much more, including a newsletter that takes about 20 seconds to sign up for. So I highly recommend you doing that. Okay, that's going to do it this week. Until next time, take care, everybody. on top of the world tonight